I'd like to welcome y'all to Secrets from the South. I'm your friend, Scotty Ray, along with my co-host, Terry. Now, you'll quickly catch on that we don't sound like the man on the 6 o'clock news. We talk a little slower, and we've got a southern drawl. But nonetheless, we've got a great podcast lined up just for you. We'll bring you some interesting stories. They're sometimes crazy and a little unbelievable. But it would be just plain impolite not to share them. So get yourself comfortable. Find some southern charm and a glass of iced tea and enjoy. In this week's episode, we'll travel to New Orleans to discuss some of the ghosts there and then move on to Graceland. Does Elvis still walk the halls? And we'll tell you the most common ways that ghosts communicate to you. I hope you'll enjoy this week's show as we continue our episode titled Part 2 of The Ghost Next Door. So we do have an expert that's going to be in the studio later on that is going to be talking about another ghost story. He's such an expert at these things. We'll introduce you to him and tell more about it. And he gets to do the fun stuff of chasing ghosts year-round. Uh, don't you think that would be interesting? It, it is. Let me ask you this. Now, I remember as a kid, and I, I was one of those, and I think we've brought this up before, the, the finger watchers of, of scary movies and things like that. Yeah. Do you remember watching, it was like big time Scooby-Doo, because, you know, they were always solving the ghost mystery. Yes. Were you hooked on that like I was as a kid? I think I was. I mean, yes, I watched Scooby-Doo, but I really remember watching, do you ever remember watching movies with bigger kids in the neighborhood? And it would, I mean, I remember one, and. Looking back on it, I couldn't tell you the name of the movie, but the, it was a street lamp that kind of like it was sat on top of a saucer, mm. and it would go around the city, and it, if it looked at you, it would send this beam, and it would just, you know, just you would like just evaporate. Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock type thing. Kind of, but I mean, when you look back on things as adults, it was the stupidest movie. Oh, but you. as a kid, I was petrified, but I wasn't about to tell the older uh, kids in the neighborhood that I was because right. I thought I was so cool getting invited to watch a movie. And then, you know, then you kind of escalate into the Halloweens and the Friday the 13th. Did you ever watch it's, any of those? Since you, not hardly. I've seen bits and pieces. But why is it that in every scary movie they run into the barn that's got all the pitchforks and chainsaws with the bad dude chasing them? Why not go somewhere else? Don't and you find yourself trip? Yeah, and always. don't you always find yourself screaming into the TV that they're idiots? Yes, <laughs> I mean they're running towards trouble, or they're running into a room where there is no exit, and there's exits everywhere around them until they get themselves in that corner. But it's all about leading up to the gory scene that's about to unfold. Now, most of these things are fiction, and, you know, it couldn't happen. But you go back and you think, what was that movie, the Amityville Horror, that was supposedly based upon yes. the the big spooky house? Yes. And it's always the questions. Do, is this stuff made up, or is it real? I think that's why we're so fascinated with all of these ghost stories that are on the History Channel and some of these other things. And I know you've taken... Um, part in some of this yeah. with your background in, you know, radio. But I think that's what truly spooks us out is because we do have this sense that there may be spirits or ghostly things or things that we can't explain. And to me, 
Those types of movies are the ones that petrify me because there's always a possibility that that might be true. I agree. Now, we're going to be doing this all month, uh, the yes. entire month of October, talking Ooh. about this. So I'm going to let you introduce, because i got a question for him coming up. I'm going to let you introduce our guest. Well, we've got Dr. Alan Brown. He is a professor from West Alabama, and he's written over 30 haunted, like, spirit scary books and it they are you know i made it to a couple of those books he's not going to admit that but i did make a page or two in a, in a couple of them and and he truly is an expert and, and he really does do a really good job of kind of laying out the scene and providing the details and the names and kind of the historical content to kind of set the stage for why there are sightings and things like that so it's always interesting to kind of get his perspective so, Alan, I'm going to ask you, is there a such thing as a good ghost and a bad ghost out there? You have just segued to the next story. Mmm. The La La Ree House. That's a bad one. That's a bad. Okay, I'm not familiar with this one. Where is it at? This one is also in New Orleans. Beautiful house. For many years, they referred to it just as the haunted house. And everyone in the French Quarter knew what it was. Built around 1830. For a wealthy doctor and his wife, Delphine Lalaurie. Story goes in 1832, people in the street saw Madame Lalaurie on the roof of the house chasing a little girl, little slave girl with a whip. Little eight year old girl. And the girl was screaming. Well, apparently the girl was combing Madame Lalaurie's hair and didn't do it right. So she grabbed this whip chased her up to the roof, and the little girl basically committed suicide, dived off the roof under the courtyard, and killed herself. Well, on April 10th, 1834, smoke started coming from the house. And so a crowd of people converged outside her front door. Well, a judge who was in the crowd called the He contacted the police. They, came, they showed up, went into the kitchen. And there was a slave that had been chained to the kitchen, and she had set the fire intentionally so, so the, that the authorities would come. Well, the judge who was in the crowd said he had heard, always heard that there were slaves chained in the garret. And he asked Dr. Lalaurie if that was true, and he said, no, just rumors, just stories. Well, they heard groaning coming up. They knocked the door down, climbed up the stairs, and there were seven slaves up there, and they had been brutally tortured. Now, I'm not sure, but I should go into detail here. That's horrible. It was, suffice it to say, it was really bad. It was, just picture Joseph Mengele, the doctor from Auschwitz who did these horrendous ex experiments on, on the Jews. This guy was as bad or worse. I mean, he did things like he would cut their limbs off and then sew their arms on their back. Cut one guy's made a big hole in his head, and then stirred the brains up with a stick. That goes beyond being mean. That's cruel. Oh, yeah, that goes beyond mean. That's sadism. When the crowd found out about it, they went they went berserk. They wanted to kill the Lalauris. Well, well, rightly so. Rightly so. Well, all of a sudden, the door to the carriage house burst open, and the Lauris were in this carriage, and they just hightailed it out of town, 
No one knows exactly what happened to them, although the story goes that they made their way to Lake Pontchartrain, boarded a schooner, which took them to the Mobile Bay, and then they caught a ship to France. Ended, uh, she ended her days in Paris. Now, there's no proof to that story, but that's what people say. Okay, so now, what goes on in that home? So now, the ghost story started soon after. Oh, everybody trashed the house, by the way. They stole everything they could lay their hands on, even set fire to parts of it. It stood abandoned for a long time. People would hear moans and chains rattling. Let's see, in the 1880s, there was some Italian immigrants who lived there. It was a boarding house. And one little girl told her mom that this mean lady at the whip was chasing her through the house. This lady also said that she woke up and she had the, these twins. They were babies who were sleeping with her. And one of them had a sock stuck in its mouth. Wow. And these were infants, so. And that's not something an infant would do. No, no. Well, they didn't stay long. They took off. And then in around 1890, a furniture store opened up there. The man hadn't been open very long, two or three days. He came back one morning. The whole store, all the furniture was covered in feces, urine, and blood. So did he shut the doors down uh, shortly after that? Well, he wasn't ready to give up the ghost, so to speak, yet. He... uh, Cleaned up everything, and then he decided the next night he would stay there with a shotgun cradled in his arms, and he did. Well, he fell asleep. And then he woke up, and it was just the same mess all over the sore. That's when he decided to lock her up. Well, in 1893, a saloon moved in. It was called the Haunted Saloon, because everybody knew it was a haunted house by that time. So it was the Haunted Saloon. And it was in business till 1916. Nothing really bad happened. Or if it did, people were too drunk to notice. <laughs> I, <laughs> that might be the ticket. That might have been it. That's how, that's how you endure the ghost. Well, it changed hands several times after that. It was even a conservatory for girls for a while, but there are really no stories that come from, from that phase. But in the 1970s, a family lived there. There was a man who had a uh, guest room there. He said that there was this table that had been set in front of this door, and he didn't put it there. He said the owners put it. It was very heavy. And he went to sleep his first night there, and in the middle of the night, he heard scraping sound of the table getting moved, and he said there's this tall, dark figure standing over him, staring at him. Well, he left the next morning. He did not stay long. There was a man uh, who had an office. He was a tenant, had an office on the, and this had been the same time period, 1970s. It was on the first floor. And he said he would come back in the mornings and all the, all the pictures on the walls would be on the floor. This is a must stop on ghost tours. All the ghost tours stop there. In fact, my, I, I took my daughter and her husband on a private ghost tour in New Orleans, and there were like four different tours, and two of them had were congregated around the Lollerie house, so we had to wait for them to leave so we could go there. Well, one woman said, who gives ghost tours, said that it's not one night. She had like 20 people on her tour. They were all taking photographs, and all of their cameras malfunctioned. They worked everywhere Ooh. except there. 
So my family, a couple of years ago, actually took that tour. Well, what'd you think? Well, I mean, I thought it was really neat. You take, just like he explained, you take it at night, you go and you make several different stops, and one of them is the La Lurie Mansion. But just think about that for a minute, Scotty. How do you think that history would be different if they had tried to escape and had failed? Because allegedly, as Dr. Brown indicated, they never were seen again. So yeah, they just we, disappeared into the middle of the night. And the assumption is, right, that they were in Paris. But think about if when they got in their carriage or whatever else, they were stopped by those citizens that were outraged at would, the cruelty. It would have been a hanging, and I think we all know that. I think that's where that would have, it would have I, been I don't even know that would have got, gotten to a hanging. I think it would have been, if you'd had a camera in those days running around filming, I think it would have been one of the goriest sights that you, you'd ever seen. So you, you think, think they'd have got them there? Oh, I think they would have got them right there, and I think they would have deserved everything. I don't think that that group that witnessed that kind of brutality, that type of cruelty, I don't think they would have stood for just being patient enough to to hang them, rightly so. All right now, I have never been there. You you've been into this place. There's a lot of places that you walk into that you just get an eerie feeling the moment you step foot. Did you get that, or was it just another place to you? It's just another place, and I, um, you know. But, you know, you think about it, Nicholas Cage, he bought that house later in uh, life, you know, in yeah. like the, I think in the 2000s and bought it. And I think he ended up selling it. And, but at some point, but I think about there's a haunted house that, uh, my family went to that was in Savannah just a couple of years ago and took a tour. And supposedly there were hauntings there. And so, you know, I think you can question that. But if that kind of cruelty took place, and that family tried to get away. I think you're talking about you would have, you know, there's different types of haunted stories. There's those that are gory and those that are ghostly. And I know Dr. Brown is, um, his books and, and the stories he tells is about ghostly stuff. That would have been one gory story because I think that they would have done, the mob would have done some things to that family to get them back and give them a taste of their own brutality and their own cruelty. On medicine, so to speak. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just think that that in itself would have been another story that would have repeated in history about how the mob got them back. And then, you know, who's to say maybe they'd be haunting the grounds of New Orleans because somebody would have been doing a tour saying, here's where the LaLaurie Mansion is and here's where they were gun down or right. you know, or whatever else you know several streets away and you know here's where their bloody remains were because that the mob would not have let them uh live doesn't look like a haunted house okay alan i have a question for you do do ghosts attach themselves to a particular item say it was their their favorite item that they owned uh they pass away the house is sold and that item goes somewhere else it doesn't stay in the yeah. house can that ghost follow that object? Is there truth to that? Well, a lot of people swear to it. And I think I mentioned before that I don't like going to antique shops with my wife because she brings these things home with her. Who knows what else she's bringing home aside from an old, an old book or pottery or whatever. 
I think there might be something to it. But again, I can't prove it. I just, you just have a gut feeling about things sometimes. Now, Terry, I, I would bet you money that there are people that are listening now that have got an item in their home that was either passed down from generation to generation that was Uncle Ed's that they feel a little leery about. It's sitting over there in the corner, but you get a, your hair on your arm stand up when you walk by it. You think they actually have it in their house? I, I think so, because, you know, like my grandma had that lamp right, I, that I right. talked about. I, I remember bumping into, and I don't know whatever become of it, me and another person found a, uh, a, a Civil War sword 30, 30 years ago. Hey, what's the history with that? It's kind of creepy. Yeah, exactly. Or what about old stories? Do you know what I'm talking about? Things that you heard as a kid. Oh, they just call them ghost stories that people would but, tell and scare the fire oh, out of oh you. Oh, my gosh. I remember as a kid, one in particular. And you can tell me if you ever heard this one. Okay, I'm listening. Okay, it's a couple, and they run out of gas. And, you know, this is a typical story. It's always a couple, a young guy and girl who maybe went on a date on the way home, and it's pouring down rain. Okay? Okay. So it's raining really hard. They run out of gas. He stops, and I guess the car stops on its own, puts it in park, and says, look. And they're in the middle of nowhere. You know, typical story. Middle of nowhere, run out of gas, and it's pouring down rain. Let me run into town, and I'll try to get some gas, and I'll be back. Well, he's gone for hours. It's raining. You hear that thump, thump, thump on the top of the roof, and before you know it, she falls asleep. Well, she wakes up here in the thump, 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 and she naturally assumes it's still the rain. Then all of a sudden, she sees red, and it's dripping down the window. It's <laughs> blood, and she looks up, and she sees her boyfriend, and he's kind of hanging from the top of the car where his head is hanging over the windshield, and naturally, it's his blood that's dripping. So he he met his demise somehow, and then she's panicked and screaming, and then she turns around and looks out the side window, and the creepiest guy that your mind can't imagine that has these old sharp-looking, awful-looking teeth yeah. and those dirty, pointed fingernails is swinging the keys. He has the keys. Did you ever hear stories like that? I've heard them. And, you know, now stuff like that doesn't really make, you know, it doesn't, now, it doesn't affect you as much. Right. But when you're a kid, you're it petrified. But I tell you, I, I do believe, in, and I'll ask you, do you believe in ghosts? Cause, and I may have brought this up and asked you in some form before, but do you believe yeah, in ghosts? Yeah, I believe there's a possibility. There are, there are things to this day that you can't explain. You, you can be walking down a hall and feel like somebody's with you or at the end of the hall watching you. Trying, there's nothing there. And or you're the, the back of your neck, and you yeah. turn around, and you're convinced something's there, and it's not. But you know that there was something. Why did you have that sixth sense that we keep talking about? Yeah. I, I, I do think it's out there. And, let, and, Alan, what do you think? Do you think ghosts exist? I always get the same answer, which is that I've been to a lot of uh, supposedly haunted places, and I would say probably uh, over 90% of them weren't or didn't seem to be, but it's those handful of of incidents that occur that really make you wonder. And I'm not I am I am not a firm believer. 
Uh, I guess I'm one of those guys that's not going to believe in a ghost until he walks up to me and shakes my hand. <laughs> but I'm also, I have heard, I have spoken to too many people whose opinion I respected, and they were not drunk or crazy at the time. Uh, I've, I've spoken to too many of those people to just dismiss it and say, no, this is, this, this couldn't happen. I'm going to keep an open mind until, until something happens to me that has happened to my wife. That happened to me. I probably would be a, a pretty <laughs> firm believer, I think. My, my Yeti, I saw my Yeti glass fly off the table. And like you, I, probably, I might have lost control of my bodily functions as well. So do you feel that it, it is just certain people that are more connected with, I guess the word is the other side of what people call it? Is yes. Yes, I do. And any clue as to what makes up that type of person? No. No. A- anybody. Care I- to lie about it? Pardon? <laughs> so do you think that it's because they're more of a believer or there's just something about them that draws the spirits to them? I don't think belief has a lot to do with it. In, in the case of my wife, she didn't believe uh, until these weird things started happening to her. And that made her a believer. It made me a believer. What are the most common ways that a ghost communicates with the living? What is, what is it that they do? That is a very good question. And the answer is sound. As sound. in a thump? Of they, hear, they hear knocking sounds, disembodied footsteps, voices, crying, moans. The ghost of Elvis. What do you know about Elvis? I think that was probably wishful thinking. A lot of people dress up like Elvis. Now, you know, it is said, and, you know, I hadn't talked to her myself, so I can't verify it, but it is said that Priscilla claimed that Elvis has come back many a time and she's had conversations with him. Mm-hmm. I have not heard that. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. I think uh, a lot of people who are grieving have that or think they have that kind of connection. And it's, it's how they deal with it. I'm, I'm not saying they're crazy by any means. No, in fact, the most common ghost manifestation that occurs is when somebody passes on, someone dies, and then the next day or a week later or even a month later, their, a loved one will receive some kind of message from this person. And it can be take the form of a sound. I know a case where a uh, a woman's um, radio turned on by itself. It happened once, and it happened uh, a week after this man died. It turned out to be her brother. And uh, when he visited, he always turned this radio on in this guest room where he stayed, and it turned on by itself. And there was nobody in there. And I asked her how she felt about it, and she said, she actually felt kind of warm when it happened. She it was not it was not scary to her. It kind of gave her a sense of comfort. Yes, yes, and that is the most common ghost sighting. Now I've always heard, uh, like uh, in the dead of winter, uh, if you're out in the woods hunting and you come across a place that's hot, that you know just to you walk into it and it's supposedly that's supposed to be a spirit that you've encountered. 
you ever heard this? Is this truth to that? Uh, I've heard the opposite. Of the cold? The cold, yes. And the serious paranormal investigators will say that spirits require, it, take, it takes a lot of energy for a spirit to materialize. And so when the spirit absorbs all this energy around him, that area will become cold. And that explains the cold spots. So, Terry, let me ask you, since that's brought up, have you ever heard sounds that just, you know, no explanation on it? Oh, yeah. And I don't think I want to know what the explanation is. No, where were you? Were you at your home? Were you visiting? Uh, were you I mean, traveling? just d- different times. I mean, like out in the woods, uh, my parents had a camp, uh, spent a lot of time, you know, sitting out around the fire, um, backyard. You know, I don't think it unnerves you when it's during the day. I mean, yeah, it's it, more at night. I, yeah, I, I agree I mean, with that. You'll look at each other when it's during the day, but there's something about taking comfort in the light. But you hear that at night? Oh, yeah, it makes it just that much more. And, and you know, years ago, in one of our our expeditions, I, I, I can't say that in this one I heard a sound, but you've heard people say, oh, the bed was sunk in, and I, I could tell. Well, I have witnessed that. Uh, King's Tavern, which is in Natchez, Mississippi, uh, they have a, like an apartment. I'm not sure if you can rent it or not, but we spent the night there and broadcasted from there. And that bed had a, a slump in it that was warm. Now, what was it? I don't know. So you don't think it was just a natural slump no, in no. the mattress where the mattress is 20, 30 years old, should have been pitched a long time ago and has a natural sag. It was a slump. It was a huge or an indention slump. of where like, somebody would be laying. Yeah, it's like somebody had just gotten up, you know, and the bed hadn't come back up. And it was warm. I, I, I don't have an explanation for that. What do you think you would do, honestly, if you had no doubt that you were walking around at night and, I mean, because you had some weird things happen a yes, couple of weeks ago. And that was unexplainable. Thank goodness they did not happen to me. And I don't want them to. But let's just say that hunting season's coming up, okay? And you get out there real early one morning, and you set up, and you're at your deer stand, and you're just taking in the the scenery, and all of a sudden, unexplained, and it's not a sound of an animal, because I know you as an avid hunter, you know the 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 uh, the difference between what a deer sound is, oh yeah, versus something else. You've been out there enough that you know you can kind of say, well, that's that's a such and such. But what would you do if you heard something howling? Or I don't know, and you knew, or or that you saw something kind of move, and you couldn't explain what it was. And you know, I had a girlfriend umpteen dozen years ago. This is a long time ago, and we used there was a place in our little hometown that all the kids hung out with, and it was called the Point. And we all had campfires there, and I, I remember right there was a trail to an old house right past it, and I went down there and turned around. And then you ever seen something you don't know what it was? It was something that was on, that had four legs, that was on two legs, that jumped in front of my car. I swear to you, I don't know what that was. Now, it wasn't a human ghost thing, but it was like, I'd call it a booger bear. Because it literally, I like to tore my car up trying to get out of there. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and I don't know if that really fits with a ghost story more than, than, 
you a know, monster story. Right, but it, it that got me. I think, you know, in the woods, it doesn't bother it. I, in a home, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you this story, and maybe I shouldn't tell it out loud, but it was said to me. And my daddy said this to me before he passed away. And I questioned him on it. I said, it, it didn't make sense. Because he told me, he goes, when I die, I want y'all to sit at the funeral home with me because I don't want to be left alone. And he said, if you don't do it, I'm going to haunt you. And I said. Well, I mean, did he want you to spend the night there while the his home. body was yeah. at rest at the funeral home? And I said, well, what's going to happen when we put you in the ground the next day? I can't stay with you there. And uh, he didn't give me an answer to that, but he did tell me that. We joked, I, I laughed it off and I went home, but that was probably the, the strangest thing my dad ever told me about, you know, because, you know, you used to, used to sit up with the dead. Oh, yeah, and or I they think, had a bell that they would uh, attach to the finger. Yeah. Can you imagine that you being buried and you're not, because you hadn't been embalmed and you're not really dead? And that's what the old graveyard people used to do. That is an interesting thing, too, because they've got, like at the Rose Cemetery that's in Mississippi, uh, they've got, you know, where people go and they put all, and this is in any cemetery, where they'll go and put things at the gravesite. As an offering. As an offering. A six-pack of beer, their favorite cola, their, you know, favorite item, um, something there, because they feel like that that spirit is still living. Yeah. Ooh, are you getting spooked? And it's, it's not even Halloween yet. It's not yet. It's coming, though. It is coming. And that means we have more stories to dissect. So remember, before you get into a knockdown drag out with family members, you may be bringing home more than Aunt Ethel's mirror. That'll give you something to think about. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and will continue to listen more. We promise to provide stories that intrigue you, provide a little humor, reflect our heritage and culture, whether it's strange and alarming. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Let us know whether you liked or disliked. Do you have a story to share? If so, we'd like to hear from you. Please email us at comments at secretsfromthesouth.com and provide a brief description of your story along with contact information and we'll be in touch. Until next time, well, you know a secret? Well, maybe you've learned to share that keepsake with a ghost. <laughs>